0: I think uh, Sam Elliott's mustache is actually a boomerang. It's a weapon. Once he runs out of ammo, he's got that mustache ready to throw.
1: Oh god, (laughs) I wouldn't doubt it. No, it's just handlebar mustache, man. Sam Elliott has that kind of magic. Did you see that Doritos commercial he did with Little Nas X? No. Yeah. Oh gosh, his his mustache danced. Ooh,
0: I like you. Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. We are now in 1989, and this episode we we'll are discussing six of the huge list I have here. You hear this? This is the list of movies from 1989 we're going to discuss. Yes, there are certain ones we, we've already discussed, like we did uh, uh, Lethal Weapon 2 during the Lethal Weapon discussion, and Batman during the Batman quadrilogy discussion. So there's a few that we're skipping. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids we did for the twenty. 20- 5th anniversary? No, we just, did the, we just did the trilogy, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, so there's certain ones we are skipping, but this is loaded to the kill. This is one of the greatest years, and there's some really good gems in here that didn't do very well, and uh, I wanted to show some to Jacob. Now, have, are some of these movies new to you?
1: Well, um, let's see. Fletch Lives and Her Alibi and Skin Deep were. Okay. But, but oh the, my god, though. I I have to say, um regarding uh skin deep oh gosh we'll get we'll get to it no we'll no it. let's like, just go ahead you
0: chose one. i was trying to think of what to start with let's start with skin deep uh starring the late john ritter also directed by the late blake edwards one of the few directors that could get his name above the title of a movie that doesn't really happen much anymore you have like m night shalaman i really can't think of you else you see like blumhouses but he's just a producer This is during the heyday when you could slap Stephen King, uh, John Carpenter, uh, and in Blake Edwards is one of those guys so well known for mostly the Pink Panther series. He did have a few other hits like SOB and Victor Victoria and stuff like that, 10. Um, This is towards the end of his career. He only has two more movies after this, and then he would effectively retire, and I think he picked something that had more dramatic weight than I remembered. There's only two segments in this that I remember, and it's one where John Ritter does that huge water stunt, which looked like it hurt like hell. And that's him. There is no stuntman. And uh, the -the glow-in-the-dark condom sequence, which everybody remembers, which they even sold sold that on the VHS comedy, the sex comedy that glows in the dark.
1: (laughs) Oh, God, yes, I know. Seriously, it almost seemed like a freaking... (laughs) <laughs> Almost like a lightsaber fight, considering you know red and blue opposite. Right, each other. right, yeah. Um, and I love the scene um where his lawyer, you know, he calls and answers the phone, and he goes to pick her up, but he tells his wife, he's like, "I have to go pick up so and so from the jail." Why illegal cockfighting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some
0: good one-liners in here. There is uh, some huge practical jokes or practical—I want to call them like stunt jokes. Uh, physical comedy oriented stuff but effectively oh, on, yes. what this really is is a drama about a guy who cannot control his urges and his addictions because uh he's so depressed his his drinking his womanizing his refusal to really focus and commit to anything and i even really, his own
1: writing projects
0: yeah john Ritter really sells this and and this is a time when people weren't used to him being dramatic because most people had known him from his sitcoms um, when he left uh, Three's Company it had a spinoff For th- uh, one year Called Three's a Crowd I think one year um, Then he did Real Men uh, I can't remember If he did any other the movies That movie bombed horribly Because MGM didn't release it On more than like 100 screens uh, He went back to TV And he did a TV show Called Hooperman That lasted two years Produced by Stephen Bochco Of Hill Street Blues And um, uh, What's that one That was on forever NYPD Blue uh, this is his cop dramedy and uh, I believe John Ritter won Emmys for both seasons in, and it just got cancelled because it just wasn't good enough the ratings and this is his first project afterwards and it's the perfect marriage of drama and comedy and it, I, I don't know a lot of actors could have pulled this off
1: no absolutely I definitely saw it, it was more comedy than I did drama I mean just, just from almost every little physical like you know Joke and tidbit, like you know, when he's uh, sleeping with the bodybuilder, <laughs> and then of course she starts to give oral sex and he's just like kind of out of control. This is like pre Jim Carrey Ace Ventura Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> he's like swinging he... around wildly. He sold it off so perfectly, and honestly, I could not, I could not help but sympathize with him. It's like I would not want to wake up. Like, you know, that early to, you know, a lot, a lot of loud aerobic. Uh, you know.
0: Yeah, but he takes it with <laughs> so much charm. He's just like, ah, I'm just demanding we're here. Can't get in the door. Eh, ah, fuck it. I'll join you guys.
1: <laughs> oh, right. Exactly, yeah. that. And then, of course, no, when he uh, he meets his uh, ex-girlfriend, the one who burned down the house, um, and she's at, like, you know, a physical therapy, she puts him up to the shock machine. When he's leaving, he's trying to get back to his car. <laughs> oh my god i hurt
0: my back just watching him do that stunt
1: seriously no he pulled that off so beautifully and i, I i'm like god how many takes did that have to happen it's like i could almost i, I swear i could have noticed someone in the back trying hard not to crack yeah <laughs> it's just and this what he did okay
0: but after this i mean he got to be a lead for a little while um, because this did okay, and then Problem Child the next year, which I, I gotta find. We gotta discuss this. I remember loving that movie when I saw it in theaters, but I haven't seen it since. That was a big hit. But then they yeah, rushed, I... they rushed Problem Child 2, and they opened it against T2, and it bombed. And then Stay Tuned Uh-oh. is a huge cult favorite, but that was the last time that he starred in a movie that I can think of
1: yeah i mean he'd always been like a supporting uh role in like sling blade or right like
0: that. and he was uh, one of the many cast members of noises off i don't know if you've seen that with him and christopher reeve and michael kane i
1: fucking love that movie
0: it's great isn't it um yeah i know he did the tv show hearts of fire for a few years afterwards and he did very well in that but in general this is his big chunk of movies this, this starting with skin deep and I, I i do think it's his best performance
1: Oh, God. Oh, man. Especially that, that beach scene when he just, like, realizes, like, you know, uh, or nobody has an epiphany, and then he's, like, getting back into writing. And then the the friggle beach wave just, like, knocks him over. <laughs> he goes back into the house, and then a wave comes and just knocks everybody else out. And his lawyer's wife is just sitting there laughing the entire time. She laughs at the most fucked up moments. And that's why I admire her so much. The, uh... <laughs>
0: The thing about, I think, Ugh. is uh, it's not just, you know, all that. It's his examination of his fuck-ups through his previous relationships, which you see later. Uh, and no one ever brings it up. High Fidelity does the same thing.
1: Oh, God. No wonder why I was getting that same feeling and why I liked it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's Always an excellent hit. movie. You can find it pretty cheap on Voodoo. I got it for 5 bucks. Um, our next movie is Her Alibi. Um, I figured this goes best with uh, Skin Deep because this is right after Magna P.I. ended. And this isn't the first time that Tom Selleck tried to be a star. He, early on in the run of Magna P.I., he had done uh, High Road to China, which did fine, Lasseter, which not so much, and then he had a huge flop with Runaway. And he disappeared for three years off the big screen, then came back with uh, Three Men and a Baby. And that gave him the opportunity to leave Magna PI and start being a lead in movies again. And this movie did okay, but it got terrible reviews. I fucking love this movie.
1: Oh, God, no, seriously. I really enjoyed it uh, every, uh, pretty much almost every year, especially Tom Selleck, you know, doing physical comedy and just, like, you know, all those little gags and like, you know, from like the little house explosion to like getting shot in the ass with a arrow, you know, I like very cartoonish stuff. And I'm like, Oh, this is, I, I'm not used to this Tom Selleck and I enjoy it.
0: Yeah. But there's still and, a real mystery in under all of that, all those jokes, you know, about, you know, uh, the, the circus and the assassinations and, you know, the, the Russian, uh, what is it, the, the KGB or whatever is trying Romanian, to get, Romanian is trying to get her and her family back that, if you can have all the great practical jokes you want but if you don't have a real story to to you know put it on top of it doesn't work
1: right yeah and it did just seem kind of out of place how uh you know again like you know people of the romanian culture really celebrated this particular clown almost like you know how italy would celebrate the clown Paliacci. right but again uh there was a lot of mystery to the woman she wasn't dumb she knew english she just was like, you know, really close to the chest. She didn't trust the writer, and of course, he expected her to like, you know, kind of like secret assassin. But you know, hell, like the like the dinner party, he thought that she poisoned the food because he found the cat dead because he fed her some of the dinner.
0: And they pumping <laughs> it back their
1: stomachs. That sounds so yeah.
0: painful.
1: I know. I'm like, oh god, all of that. And then they come back. Uh, Tom Selleck and his family they come back from the hospital. And also, their neighbor comes up. It's like, "Hey, we noticed your cat got in our yard and they ate this particular food. And we accidentally killed it. We're so sorry. We left her at the doorstep." And then everybody's just looking at Tom Selleck. <laughs> Why
0: can't I remember the name of the actor? He was uh, the voice of Kit, and he was on uh, Saint Elsewhere and his Mister Feeny on Boy Meets World by K- William Daniels. There it is. I just finally. He's a great like sidekick to Tom Selleck in this.
1: Oh, absolutely, I know Like, just from, like, encouraging him to get back out there Like, the little jokes between him and his wife Oh, especially the phone calls Like, when they were, t- <laughs> when they were like, thinking they were gonna die On the way to the hospital before they got a stomach pump uh, He was talking to his daughter He's like, it's like, you know, honey, yeah, no, it's not that She's like, but dad, I'm a little busy I'm talking to my boyfriend And he's like uh. Just like the lines he delivers Just are absolutely yeah. perfect
0: I uh I, it's really sad that this didn't work out. I mean, it's not the last time that Tom Selleck would work, uh, do a comedy, but I feel like he was more the straight man in the rest of them. Whereas he has a lot of fun. I love watching him be paranoid and like you know <laughs> shut his door or whatever and just embarrass himself over and over. Like <laughs> the minute he closes the door off, so she can't sneak in and kill him, <laughs> or when she's cutting his hair, he's like one clip. Of, That's enough. We're good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, God, yeah. Oh, no, better yet, like, when he's, like, trying to take out the garbage, but he sees her, like, putting on makeup. And then he's like, freaking falls down the steps with carrying the garbage pan all the way into the pool. I'm like, what?
0: <laughs> Have you ever seen Tom Salt <laughs> that without his mustache? It's disturbing.
1: No, I haven't. And I honestly, I don't think I could. Oh, wait, no. In and Out with Kevin uh, Klein. Did
0: he shave a... it? Okay, I dude. can't remember if he shaved it. I remember that he shaved it off for a movie called Folks. Folks? Right before he did um, Mr. Baseball, which I think is another great... We did that one on our baseball episode a couple of years ago.
1: Yes, that's what it was. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, I don't think he's did. I think he still got that stash.
0: Yeah, it looks great. Um, I think it's more of a goatee now because he's on uh, Blue Bloods and he kind of moved his look up because, you know, you get older, you get that weird saggy chin thing. I know. I'm getting it, too. I'm 44. I can feel the, the, the hang now on the, under my chin
1: you gotta do those neck exercises
0: neck exercises neck exercises trademark Um, our next film is a movie that everybody thought was going to bomb it got shuffled around like crazy and the weirdest thing is it's cursed if you look at the companies it's connected to Uh, produced in 1987 uh, expected for a summer 88 release by Dino De Laurentiis' company D.E.G except they went out of business they sold it to Nelson Entertainment which went out of business Sold it to Orion Pictures, which would go out of business after the the second Bill and Ted movie. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, it's just moved and moved and moved. Um, uh, So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, $40 million. Opened at the right time. If you had opened this any later in the year, I don't think it would have done as well. We would have got one of the greatest trilogies ever. Uh, Did you see the third and final entry?
1: Yes, I did. And my gosh, did it have like everything that made Bill and Ted, but taken a step further. Yeah, I, I
0: love and, all three. Oh. I think Bogus Journey is my favorite because it's got a weird, weird sense of humor to it. Um,
1: oh, God, yes.
0: <laughs> done for $10 million. Uh, really, they thought they were going to sell it to HBO. It really was so close to selling to HBO, but Orion came in and said, well, we can't give you as much money, but we'll give you theatrical distribution, and test screens were so good that they opened this wide. And it did gangbusters. I mean, because of this movie and and Ryan having faith in it, it got video games. It got a cartoon spinoff. I had the fucking surreal. It had a live-action TV series. Did you know that?
1: I didn't know about the TV series, but I did have the action figure.
0: uh, There was a TV series of this on Fox. Not the cartoon I'm talking about. I'm talking a live-action version, the summer of 1992, I believe. It only lasted like eight episodes. It is fucking terrible. But the cartoon rules... And the whole cast comes yes. back to do the voices. And uh, the comic book from uh, uh, Marvel was also very good.
1: Yeah, no, I think everything else but that live-action TV Yeah. Too. Yes, and it became a classic for a good reason. And just the soundtrack in general is just so fucking awesome. Even <laughs> the, the part especially... Uh, one of the songs that does stay with me was... Um, uh, when they go into the future for the first time, and at the end, you know, when the... Princesses come back. Uh, dancing in the streets, I think.
0: Maybe. I remember um, there's a Do You called. Wanna Dance by Van Halen when they're in the mall. That's one of the great... I love that sequence, that montage of all them yes. getting them into trouble. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's about two stupid people, but it's very, very smart in how it works the timeline. Um, I never... Even Back to the Future it doesn't tackle a timeline the way
1: this movie does. No, of course not. Uh, yeah, I mean that, and they at ha- that, and they didn't have to, you know, go up to eighty miles an hour in a DeLorean. They right. just had to be going, to some, you know, a phone booth, you know, for <laughs> you know, time purposes because they were very common around then. So who would suspect that shit? <laughs> um, living in but-
0: California, uh, you actually have Circle K's and uh sadly uh 7-eleven bought all of them in oregon so it's only left in california but they are real they were not made up for the movie which people that don't live on the west coast probably thought they were fake
1: exactly yeah because there are only some like you know particular coastal and like you know midwest chain i mean hey white castle i didn't even know it was an actual thing yeah <laughs> yeah it's usually I, I, yeah. like an east coast thing yeah i haven't seen any white castle since i lived in indiana
0: um, yeah, there's so many of those regional places, whatever, but uh, what I love about this movie, and yes, it's a 1989 movie, You so see, you're going to have a couple phrases or words that don't work anymore, and they've kind of made up for it, um, calling each other the F-A, you know what I mean, word, um, but they have genuine love for each other, and they're just love, they, optimistic goofballs. And that's the thing, I mean, be excellent to each other, and the fact that they just don't want to give up, despite the odds. And I love that mentality.
1: Exactly, yeah, no, know. That was like a best, great display of friendship. And Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, in developing these characters, they took it seriously. And, you know, giving them that whole, you know, valley boy persona, you know, giving them the personality, like, everything about them. Like, from their voices to their, like, physical performance, all of it. And, again, yeah, nobody else could play these characters but them. Yeah,
0: it's it's a beautifully done movie, um... I think it's highly underrated. I think I think people are starting to finally come around on it. And everybody said, oh, Keanu Reeves is such a dumbass. And then they were like, oh, Keanu Reeves is so stone-faced. I'm like, there there are two wildly different versions of Keanu Reeves. And I think it's the death of his fiancée which changed everything. Because if you look at all his performances before that, they're kind of wild. Um, and very energetic. And it kind of stops around the time he did Bram Stoker's Dracula is when it starts to get serious and, and a little stone-faced but um, yeah, I think he's coming back around more lively performances. I think there was just something in him that was kind of hurt, and, and it was hard to be happy.
1: Well, he, I think he was fully able to express that and get it all out with John Wick.
0: Yeah. Uh, what a wonderful comeback. There's so many him. actors out there that I loved growing up that finally are starting to have, you know, Brendan Fraser's starting to have a comeback. I wish Christian Slater would have a comeback. Yes. I love that dude. Um, but Keanu Reeves always put in the work. It's just... There was something there. I don't know if it's because they were offering him roles that didn't allow him to be uh, emotional, or what it was. But his journey with Bill and Ted is fantastic.
1: And I think Alex Winter is highly underrated. Oh yeah, no, especially oh especially in the movie uh, Breaks with yeah. um, Randy Quaid. Yeah, it's he's mostly oh, a director
0: oh, yeah. now, so he doesn't really act that much. Of like people, I think forget about him.
1: Yeah, but honestly, yeah, he definitely deserved uh, a lot more roles. Oh, God, Lost Boys was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Like, him being one of the vampires there, I was like, huh?
0: But he really <laughs> doesn't have much to do there. It's Bill and Ted is his show, but, of course, Freaked. But no one really has seen Freaked. It's such a, it's still an underground. I have the DVD. I found it at a thrift store for, like, 50 cents, but it is so <laughs> hard to find.
1: Oh, I believe it. Oh, God. Hopefully it gets a re- uh, re-release uh, digitally somewhere. Yeah, someday. Shout Factory. I hope he
0: picks it up. Um, our fourth show. Uh, fourth film is Chances Are, a movie I haven't seen since it came out, and good God, I love this movie. It was so much fun.
1: Absolutely, and I remember seeing bits and pieces as a kid. I never saw the beginning of it, but I definitely remember the part where he sees the earrings on the mannequin, and then he like has that moment with uh, name, Sybil Shepherd. Yes, yes, he has that moment with Sybil Shepherd saying he's about, you know he's trying to prove that he's her uh, dead husband. Well, of course, the premise is uh, there's this, you know, prosecutor, you know, things are going well. He just got married, you know, of course, their best friend lives in with him, you know, because the the three of them are uh, inseparable. And this is shortly after he discovers that the judge is like being, you know, bribed. And uh, then he gets reincarnated. That, That heaven sequence, though, where he's waiting in line and he's trying to get back, so he rushes. <laughs> that little bartender in heaven forgets to give, forgets to give him that shot so he can forget who he is, and that's what makes that's how Robert Downey Jr. twenty 23 years later ends up thinking he was that particular person. Yeah,
0: I think it's funny as people forget that uh, he was a comedic actor first. You know, before the whole Marvel thing changed his career, he was very very big and energetic. Um and I just love watching the physical comedy. I mean, he's on par with John Ritter here. These two movies go well together because Absolutely. of the tone. Because there is dramatic stuff in this, but the wacky stuff is so, so well done. And Civil Shepherd and Ryan O'Neill are fantastic in this. And I forget uh, sometimes how good they were because, you know, Ryan O'Neill got bogged down by all that, um, you know, drinking and, and his kids and stuff like that. And Civil Shepherd, this is right towards the very end of Moonlighting. And all I ever read in the news was that her and Bruce Willis were always fighting and that she was so difficult to deal with.
1: Turns out Bruce Willis was the asshole. (laughs) Well, yeah, that could be it too. But yeah, no, of course, Robert Downey Jr., especially seeing him in previous movies like um, Back to School with Roddy Dangerfield. And then, of course, there was Weird Science. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, this guy was more comedic than he was um, serious. I think like one of his more serious roles was the – oh, I don't remember – uh, less Than Zero? Yeah, you know, it's like one of those earlier films from the 80s. Like, part, he was with the Brat Pack.
0: Was it Less Than Zero when he was a drug addict?
1: Yes, that's okay. what it is. Less Than Zero. I, it's a, I keep forgetting that title when I should know it. Yeah, that. That's when he started the show. It was like Dramatic Potential. And then it just kind of built on from there. And then, of course, he went off the rails. And then started coming back with... Um,
0: kiss Kiss Bang Bang.
1: And A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints. I've never seen that one. Is that good? Boom. God, yes, it actually became one of my favorite films. Uh, very heavy dramatic. It's also the first time I saw uh, Channing Tatum. Man, again, Robert Downey Jr. He still got it, and of course, it's like nowadays he's like sticking be- uh, as a producer behind the scenes. Uh, but again, in this movie, I, I seriously just as he realizes, he remembers that he was uh, once uh, Louis James, you know, Civil Shepherd's you know, dead husband he's just like completely freaking out yeah just like oh god <laughs> so the, the, you know the realization
0: dating his own daughter
1: <laughs> exactly I know so it's like oh god how awkward is that um but yeah it just even at the dramatic moments it's serious again you can't help but just you know being entranced by uh enticed by his charisma yeah oh see in the library the opening scene when you first see him like um, Mary Stuart Masterson, you know, is trying to uh, is trying to like you know figure out this whole like bill uh, that she owes to the library, you know, something she can't do right now. And then Robert, and then Robert Downey Jr. just comes, in. <laughs> just the way he delivers that line, you know, say, you know, talking about these like you know guys messing up the sorting of the Shakespearean works, and then the librarian just completely freaks out and has to go <laughs> and attend to it right away. <laughs>
0: I wonder what happened to Mary Stuart Masterson. She was so good. And the last time I think I saw her was Fried Green Tomatoes, I think. I can't remember anything she did after that. She must have done something.
1: I think that was like her biggest film. Yeah. Oh, there was Benny and June.
0: Okay. So that was the year after Fried Green Tomatoes. I can't. Did she... I think she was, oh, no, no, no. She was in a series called uh, Blind Spot for a while. Uh, in 96, she was in um, uh, Bed of Roses with Christian Slater. I remember that. But that's still, that's 25 years uh, ago. Maybe she just decided to go do something else. I don't know. Maybe she's a mom. Um, so our yeah. next film is Fletch Lives, the somewhat successful sequel to the first one. But it did kill the franchise because, well, let's say this. Chevy Chase killed his own franchise because he signed a huge deal with Warner Brothers after this film. And almost all of those movies bombed horribly. His career was over with. No one was interested in him doing another Fletch and it's been in production hell for decades. The, every actor you can think of has probably been attached to Fletch at some point, and it's finally getting done again with John Hamm over on Amazon. Um, but I think Fletch Lives is pretty damn good. It didn't do well as, as well financially, but I think critically, uh, structurally, I think it's just as good as the first
1: one. Oh, absolutely. My God. Did that first, the first opening scene where he's like, you know, disguised as a maid the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> All of his little one-liners, where he's like, you know, you know, you know, trying to get across his editor the story of what he was doing and why he was dressed up like that. <laughs> oh my god!
0: the The plot of this one is much bigger scope, and this is the this one is not based on any of the flesh books, which is weird because I think there was about eight to ten of them at this point. They could have pulled a story from, but they go big picture with this. This one is not only a a big scathing satire of Huge mega churches, um, which are still a plague. I can't believe it's after 30 years, it's still God a yet. plague. Um, but also the indictment of how they do the tax free getaway of you know buying land, and this one they don't just want to buy land for Jesus Land or whatever it was called, and uh,
1: they Bible Land, yeah, yeah. They
0: use extortion and murder and, and just all sorts of con jobs to get away with it. And Fletch just sticks it to them, and I fucking love that. I love that. Way more than the Tim oh, God, Matheson yeah. murder slop story in the first movie.
1: Yeah, no, this one. Uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to say about like the villains and the plot here. And, dude, Hal Holbrook being the main villain like threw me off. I was like, what?
0: Yeah, oh, oh and Arlie Ermy as a, a preacher was shocked me because he usually doesn't play roles like that.
1: No, he doesn't. He's always like the you know tough, headstrong, you know, uh, aggressive coach, or you know, as he was in his actual life, a uh, gunny,
0: gunny uh, sergeant
1: gunnery Sergeant, I was trying to think of or a marine drill sergeant. Yeah. Uh, oh we have, man. We have Clevite Little,
0: who I haven't seen in a very long time. I think it's one of his final performances, but of course everybody knows him from Blazing Settles, but he did act quite a bit for the next twenty years.
1: Yes, I do remember him in once bitten. He was um them, <laughs> She was the va- she was the, he was the vampire's uh servant. Right, I remember that one, yeah. Um
0: but yeah, I think that I think the storyline's a little more complicated. The jokes don't hit as well. But I think I think they're a little more. Here's the thing: is Chevy Chase is naturally funny when he gives a shit. I think his performance in Shack too is pathetic and embarrassing. But here, he seems to be doing a, a you know a really good job acting wise. But he moves away from the funny. I think he was. This is a point where he was trying to be a little more serious, and like he you know later he'd do with memoirs, Invisible Man, and Hero and stuff like that. Uh, I just don't think it's as funny. But the mystery is better.
1: Oh, I know, definitely. It threw me for a bit of a curveball near the end. But I just love how he just shows up at that little um, party at the end, and he's dressed up like in this old Civil War outfit. Yeah. Okay. I, I love how
0: he changes the fucking things. in. You know how they act like they, they can read people in the audience, and he has a little earpiece, and he's like, okay, the guy over on 32A, he's suffering from whatever headaches, and it's actually hemorrhoids. And he's like, show me your... you know. <laughs> Malady, or whatever, he pulls his pants down and shows his butt. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he plays the oh, preacher man. and he's constantly shoving people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you believe this yeah. is the last year where we really had a successful. I mean, Chem ruled the 80s, and this is his last successful year because he has this and Christmas vacation coming up, and after that, he just struggles through all the 90s. Yeah,
1: no, I know. Def- I was definitely going to notice that. I mean, As far as doing that deal with Warner Brothers, I mean, it kind of made sense considering, you know, Warner Brothers distributed uh, the first vacation – film. well, the previous vacation films.
0: Yeah. After Christmas Vacation, I think they signed him to a three-picture $12 million deal, which they got um, Nothing But Trouble, Memoirs of the Invisible Man – what's the third – is there another one in there somewhere I'm missing? I feel like there's a – Memoirs of the Invisible
1: Man, Christmas Vacation, and Nothing But Trouble – Maybe, maybe Vegas
0: Vacation was Vegas vacation. Contract. Maybe, but that was so many years later, but that might have been part of the contract. It was just delayed. But, you know, he had Cops and Robertsons, Man of the House. That was a hit, but it was mostly because of JTT. And then it's just like his yes. TV show failed, and he was kicked off SNL, so he couldn't come back really there anymore, and Dirty Work. I think that's the end of the 90s for him. It just fumbled the whole way
1: yeah that and it was also a pain in the ass even Harold Ramis uh, mentioned in the commentary a vacation like you know he had to like that one particular scene where they're loading up all the luggage you know it was just so hot but Chevy wanted to hurry up and get it over and done with because he didn't want to be in the heat but you know Harold was like had to settle him down
0: yeah you gotta get the comedic timing right or the scene doesn't work
1: exactly all right. and um so yeah again I actually think this is a successful sequel yes um, I
0: know that Kevin Smith tried for years to bring him back for a third one, and it didn't—people it, it, just—it it was a no-go. And they attached Joshua Jackson, Zach Braff, Ryan Reynolds, Jason Sudeikis, who I thought was going to be perfect. I'm okay with John Hammond, but yes. Sudeikis sounds like he would be the perfect one.
1: Oh, absolutely. God, you could tell he has, like, that same niche that Chevy Chase had. I mean, even when you see him in Seven Night Live.
0: Yeah. The oh effortless charm um, and improv skills, and you could still take him a little serious, you know, in, in the real threat.
1: Absolutely. Oh, God, what's the ch- – I hear uh, his latest show that Jason Sudeikis is in. Um, oh, Ted Lasso? Oh, gosh. I hear he's, like, very charming, and he's just, like, so lovable in that movie, yeah, in I that w- show.
0: Yeah, I want to see it, but I don't have Apple TV, but eventually I'll get it. They only have – they're the weirdest thing is because they charge – a. a kind of a decent price but they also have hardly any content they didn't buy anything from anybody else so they just produce like four shows a year and four movies and i'm like i'm not sure i could just pay for a month and get all the content i want
1: right oh of course yeah me again me personally as far as it goes for apple tv i don't own apple products i don't really care for apple so I'm like, eh, if my, friends want to, if my friends have it, I'll just watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: on. I'll probably get it, and I'll just give you my password.
1: But um, let's get to the sixth <laughs> and
0: final film. I wasn't sure about this one. I was on The Wire. I loved this entry so much as a kid that nostalgia kind of blinded me, and I chose uh, Police Academy 6. Yes, we skipped 4 and 5. I think 4 is kind of flimsy, and 5 sucks. So but I think there's more of a story in this one and more production value, even though it was shot in Canada. I kind of like where they're going with this, and I also love the fact that the series, um, <laughs> no one ever gives them credit. They always talk about Fast and Furious, and the Marvel movies bringing like this universe of characters bouncing in and out. Police Academy was there first. They're, they constantly were bringing back characters from previous entries and have them weaved in and out
1: yeah absolutely yeah that's what i knew it. well except for steve gutenberg Him. yeah i didn't but, see I bobcat mean, in this one either
0: yeah but there's like what i'm saying is like there like even in the beginning when you see uh tackleberry with his kid yes. by the way they fast forward to that kid there's no way he was he had to been born in, like 86 and it was only three years later but um his grandpa's there who was in parts three four and i, I think just three and four and then they have oh shit um the guy with the glasses, not Mauser. um he was in oh the, gosh he, he was in parts one and
1: three or one two and three yes yeah i know that's what i'm trying to remember he basically he's murphy's law whatever yeah um, i'm trying to think completely let clueless, me let me look
0: uh played by bruce Moller from um fridays which is a competitor for saturday Night live uh but police academy four uh has pretty solid direction from i believe it's peter boners <laughs> one of my favorite fucking names yeah. ever <laughs> doug fackler
1: Fackler's doug the guy. fackler
0: name. thank you um, but uh, I, I actually appreciate part six. But I'm more curious about what you think of it. Was it a mistake to suggest this one?
1: Honestly, no, it wasn't because I actually remember seeing this one when I was a kid. But I just couldn't remember because I thought it was part four or five, but I was completely wrong.
0: What? However, the smart thing I think they did was they realized that. No, I like him now. Um, uh, Matt McCoy. Um, I really liked him on his arc on Silicon Valley, but he was very bland, and he didn't have the thing that Gutenberg had. So they were smart enough to not make him the lead like they had in the previous film. They move him down a bit. In fact, I think he's like seventh name. What they were smart to do was beef up uh, Michael Winslow's character and Tackleberry and and, and, and Fackler or whatever and make them more important. I think that was a smart move because we already know these characters, but they never really got a lot to work with. Michael Winslow alone for his kung fu sequence where he turns out to be <laughs> a cyborg.
1: Turns in fucking gold. <laughs> yeah, I know that killed me. I'm like that. I remember the most as a kid, like was Jones pulling on that little robot stunt and beating the crap out of that other guy. That other guy had to be like just a stuntman in general because. Everything he was doing, from like bouncing around all the flips, and like that had to be him.
0: Yeah. I, I, Brian Seaman, I'm going to look up what Seaman, uh, what his real, uh, thing is because, yeah, he looked like a stuntman, but there's nothing here that says stunt work. I know. I'm like, good
1: God. Like, was this his first thing? He only had yeah. seven credits
0: who- and he was, an, he worked in the art department. I don't know what he was, but he definitely is very athletic. Maybe he was a, a circus guy. I don't know.
1: Yeah, he definitely had to have some like acrobatic background somewhere. So,
0: uh, we finally who, who have I, Proctor I noticed and did get
1: beefed up as well. What's that? Yeah, Proctor and Harris.
0: Proctor and Harris finally back together, and fuck, I love Proctor because well, no, 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 not finally back together. I forgot Proctor was introduced I think in the second movie with uh, Mauser. And then everybody loves Proctor so much. He's probably my favorite side character because he embarrasses himself on a regular basis. But they hook him up with Ma- uh, with uh, Harris instead, and I fucking love those two idiots together.
1: <laughs> yes, I, like I said, they're like the perfect dumb duo. Yep, like Laurel Hardy, Laurel and Hardy, but on a bigger scale.
0: They set um, up uh, Lassard, their you know the beloved captain, uh, for um, a crime he didn't commit, and they destroy the team. Um... And I, I thought there was a lot of, like, if you strip away all the jokes, there's still a good plot.
1: Oh, yeah, no, exactly. Like, it was all just, you know, the mayor's uh, plan to an insurance scam. And it made sense, too. I'm like, well, shoot, especially considering, like, how they figured it all out.
0: Yeah, I, I do enjoy also the fact that they finally took it away from the academy again because there's so many movies that are set there. And this one, they finally go back to the city, which is one of my favorite things about this uh, part two.
1: Yes, like I said, they were able to branch out, you know, because you know they were in the academy, but now they're full graduates. So it's like, yeah, let's see them tackle like real shit. Oh, Marion Ramsey coming back with as hooks.
0: Oh, love Marion Ramsey. Good lord, she's so much fun.
1: Oh, absolutely, I know. I love how, like, that one guy was trying to push her over, and then, oh, gosh, he just, like, okay, walks away real, real quick, comes back, gives him all the tickets, and then just, what, toes his car? Wait, does Hightower come in and just toss the car? I can't remember.
0: I think so. Which, which one was this again, the first one? Uh, part six. Oh, sorry. I remember that in part one because they do that when she runs over that one guy's foot or whatever, and he calls her, uh, like, uh, whatever, racial epitaph. Yeah, Harris. Yeah, and then uh, they flip the thing over, the car over with him in it.
1: Exactly, yeah. But I definitely remember in this one, like, someone was trying to push her over. He was, like, a city councilman. And, Marion Ramsey walks off real quick, comes back with the tickets, gets assertive, and then Hightower comes in and, like, totals his car.
0: I'm looking here, and, uh, yes, Brian Seaman was a gymnast, and he did his own stunts. Mm-hmm.
1: His last name Steeman.
0: Yes, I know. Uh, this one, didn't, <laughs> this one was kind of the end of the franchise for a while. It uh, only made eleven off a six million dollar budget, still profitable. Huge overseas, massive in Russia, and of course on video. And so we would get a final entry five years later. Uh, mission to Russia, mission, mission to Moscow, mission and to Moscow. It, it, I think it made like half a million dollars, and it is truly unfucking watchable. It is
1: bad. I know, even Ron Perlman couldn't save the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, All know, right, you know so... who I realized was one of the um, uh, villains as well? Garrett Graham.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I love Garrett Graham. Have you ever seen um, Phantom of the Paradise? No. Oh wow, I didn't oh, know man, this. Paul, I... Paul Maslansky was hoping to take the same formula the next year over to a movie called Ski Patrol, which he had assumed would be the new franchise to take over, but it did not do well, so that was the end of that.
1: Oh, yeah, no, that is a bit of a bummer. I, I actually liked uh, Ski Patrol. That's the one with, um. Okay, was was that the one with Corey Haim, or was that the one with, uh? oh, gosh.
0: Okay, so I know this well enough. It's pathetic that I know this. Ski Patrol has nobody you know. Ski School is the one with Chainsaw from Summer School. And then there's That's it. Snowboard Academy with Jim Varney and Corey Haim, which came
1: like nine years later. Yes, Ski Academy. That's the one I was thinking of. Fuck it. That sounds like a
0: good Damn. trash cinema one to watch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they um, all involved skiing. That's uh, what
0: so uh, that is it for this episode. The, the movies I've already chosen for the... Well, actually, you know what? Ski Patrol did okay. It made $8.5 million, which is a surprise. I didn't think it even made that much. Uh, I'm running out of air. I'm getting tired. i got a headache. Uh, so the movies in the next episode are going to be Dream Team with Michael Keaton... Field of Dreams, K-9. What do I have on this list? Earth Girls Are Easy, Vampire's Kiss, and Weekend at Bernie's.
1: All right. yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I honestly, I watched Earth Girls uh, Are Easy as a kid, and I'm pretty sure I'm still going to enjoy it.
0: The ones that I'm trying to I mean, find are See No Evil, Hear No Evil. If anybody knows where that is, Free the Package with Gene Hackman, The Burbs and three fugitives cuz i want to add those to the list. I love those movies. Uh oh, fuck yes. And i got god I got so many more movies. We have Tango and Cash, we have Always War of the Roses, Christmas Vacation, Little Mermaid. There's so many more.
1: I'm going to have to buy more
0: popcorn. <laughs> um check us out on Facebook and uh YouTube. yeah, YouTube under Hit Rewind Podcast. Sign, subscribe, whatever you want to do. Review, share, please. It, I uh I don't want to break your hearts, but the numbers are nowhere nearly as good as they used to be. Three years ago, we were at 10000 a month. Come on, people. <laughs> Help out, a brother. Uh, or tell us what we're doing wrong. You still off me, don't you, my man? Um, so, Jacob, <laughs> send us
1: out. I will. Just one thing. Dean Cameron, that was his name. I kept trying to remember yes. his real name.
0: Sorry, I should have said that. I knew that.
1: <laughs> you bastard!
0: I know. I'm still friends <laughs> with him on Facebook. I don't talk to him anymore, but like for 20 years now, I've talked to him on social media. There used to be a website called Tight Circle where it was kind of like board messaging where we talked back and forth with each other, and uh, that, was, that was that was the year oh. 2000. I've been talking to him ever since.
1: Oh, fuck. that's good. That was kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely ahead of its time. Yep. All uh,
0: right. Go ahead. send us out. Okay.
1: All right. Namaste. And good luck, my friends.
0: And. Hey, everybody. 1989. Be excellent to each other forever and more.